Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to start a little series this morning called Pray for a Change. Pray for a Change. Now, that can be twofold. If you need a change in your life, pray. Or if you're not praying, pray. Hey, pray for a change. <laughs> Amen. So, Lord, we just approach your word humbly. We approach it reverently. And we thank you for speaking to our hearts today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. amen. So you and I have been given an incredible and powerful privilege to connect with Almighty God. And the way that we can connect with him is through prayer. I love what Jeremiah 33 says. It says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. One translation says, hidden things which you've not yet come to understand. How many of you know there are some things hidden from our understanding that God wants to reveal to you and to me in these days? Amen? So that we can hear clearly from Him. But the main thing I want to, uh, one of my missions today is if you're not praying, I'm encouraging you to start praying. Sometimes there's different levels of prayer, and I think oftentimes we forget those that are kind of just starting out in prayer. So I want to preach and teach some real basic things about prayer that will least whet your appetite, and hopefully, praise God, you'll get on the dance floor and you'll start praying, not only privately, but you'll start praying unitedly when we have these glorious prayer meetings coming up. And everyone said amen. amen. So we can connect with him in prayer. We can come boldly to him. We have been given access to him. We have been invited to come and to commune with our heavenly father. And after all, that's what prayer simply is. Prayer is communing with your good, good father. George Mueller said this. He said, I live in the spirit of prayer. He said, I pray as I walk about, when I lie down and when I rise up. And he said this, and the answers are always coming. Amen. And so my prayer today is that the spirit of prayer would take hold of this pastor, would take hold of the leadership, and would take hold of the whole congregation, and that we would not worry about anything, but that we would pray about everything. How many of you know that prayer gives you peace and removes all panic from your life? How many of you know that panic is a sudden sensation of overwhelming fear? Panic blocks your ability to reason and to use logic. Panic creates intense emotion. The question is, what is the prescription for panic? And the answer is prayer. I love what Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 says. It says this, be careful for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, what's it going to do? It's going to keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Oh, what a promise. So we are instructed in the Word of God not to worry about anything. Instead, we are to pray about everything. In other words, tell God what you need. And thank Him for all that he's done. And then you will experience, not panic, but you will experience peace. Which absolutely exceeds anything that you and I could ever understand. 
Now, I love the message translation, and I'm going to take a pull of water. So I want you to read the message translation on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead, read. Verse 7. Before you know it, Hallelujah. So instead of worrying, what are you going to do? You're going to pray. Who are you going to talk to? You're going to talk to your father. You're going to tell him exactly what you need. And then when you are done praying, you start thanking and start praising God. That's not difficult. That's something that every one of us can do. Now, here's a fact. Jesus Christ was the greatest person to ever walk on the earth. He taught like no other. He preached like no other. And the crowds were absolutely astonished. And they were amazed at the power of God that flowed through him. But something very interesting about his disciples. When his disciples came to him, they did not say, Lord, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to teach. But they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. What they were literally eyewitnesses of, of Jesus rising up early, a great while before day, and praying. And he would go from place to place. And in between, there would be constant miracles, but there was always the secret of prayer and communing with his heavenly father. How many of you could use some miracles in your life? How many of you would like to see some miracles in your family's life? How about in this nation? What do you say? We become people of prayer because purposeful, powerful prayer paves the way for the impossible to become possible. Now, you and I should live in the spirit of prayer. We should pray for ourselves. We should pray for others. I'm going to get some prayers, and they're going to be in English. Of course, these prayers wouldn't be in tongues. But I'm going to get some prayers, and I'm going to personalize them, and I'm going to hand them out to you for those of you that are kind of getting started in this area. Because I'm telling you, once you enter into the arena of prayer... You're going to grow by leaps and bounds. You're going to experience the presence of God. But not only that, you're going to see God answer some awesome things in your life. Do you believe it? Say it with me, I believe it and I receive it. We should be praying for one another. There is the prayer of agreement. You know, oftentimes we hear a brother or a sister has a need and we just kind of pass it by. I believe that we should stop and I believe that we should get in the word and that we should pray for one another. You know, it's true. Jesus said this. He said, if two of you shall agree on earth as touch, listen to this, as touching anything that they shall ask, anything that is in line with the word of God that you ask, touching and agreeing in prayer, the Bible says it shall be done unto you. Now, the good news is this, is Jesus Christ is right in the center of that prayer, seeing to it that what you've agreed upon comes to pass. Oh, man, that's such good news. I think if we really believe that, 
and really understood that and had revelation of that, we'd be agreeing with one another much more than we do. Amen. And so prayer, we need to understand, it's not difficult. It's not complex. I, I can remember years ago, you know, there was uh, this teaching that you had to pray for an hour. Man, I got into that for a while and I looked at my clock and found out I'd been praying for two minutes. And so that's a good sign I was in the flesh. Prayer is not about praying for an hour and see if you can hang in there, baby. Prayer is communing with God. Prayer is not to be complex. Now, years ago, Brenda and I went over to Dr. Cho's church in uh, Seoul, Korea. And we went to his Cho Church Growth International. And it was a wonderful experience going in there on a Wednesday afternoon at about 2 p.m. And about 25,000 people just on their face praying before the Lord. It was like a roar of prayer. It was like waterfalls of glory just flowing through that congregation. And so, you know, we took something off the altar over there in Seoul, Korea, and we brought it back here. So, and uh, we started to have prayer meetings on Friday morning at 6 a.m. And that was good, but I think we got in the flesh when we tried to have it every morning at 6 a.m. Because here's what happened. People were laid out on the pews. They were snoring. They were getting that extra hour of sleep. They were not tearing before the Lord in that hour. They were looking for some more Z's. And, and so we don't, we, we don't have to bring a Korean culture, if you will, into an American culture. The object of the name, the name of this is not to see how long we can pray, but how we can pray effectively and effectually and how that we can see the answers come for God's glory. Come on, somebody. Say amen. And so don't make prayer too burdensome. Don't make it. You know, so complicated that you get frustrated and then you don't do it. I believe the devil's behind that. I believe this, that prayer is user friendly. Now let me give you some prayer refreshers this morning. We are to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. How many of you know he knows your needs? And it is his good pleasure to meet those needs. Jesus is our connection to our Heavenly Father. Now notice this with me in John 16, 23 and 24. And I want you to read it with me. Please participate with me this morning. Ready, read. And in that day, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Verse 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive... So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, not for Jesus' sake, but we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We let our requests be made known to him, and as we do that, the scripture says that our joy is going to be made full. Let me ask you a question today. Has anyone ever experienced the joy of answered prayer? I mean, you were praying for a promotion and you got it. You were praying for a job and you got it. You were praying for your son or your daughter to come home and they came home. Isn't that awesome? Oh, the joy of answered prayer. And I'm telling you, the joy is just beginning. Because there's joy in harvest.
And there's joy in what God is doing and will do in these last days and in these last hours. Amen. And so make sure then that you're always praying in line with the word and in line with the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance. Ask according to his word. His word is my toolbox. His word is your menu. His word is full of his will and is full of his promises. For every problem that you face, there is a promise in his word. Oh, thank you, Lord. And so look in his word. Find what you need and take the promises of God and pray the word. Even if you don't speak in other tongues, you can pray the word. You don't have to speak in tongues to be a prayer. You can speak in tongues. It's the will of God for everyone to speak in tongues. But listen, you, if you don't want to speak in tongues, you don't have to. But let's get on the dance floor and pray anyway. See, I think that sometimes keeps people out of the arena of prayer because they are not as advanced in prayer as some are. It's quiet when you talk about that. Well, and right after Easter and before Pentecost, we are going to experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we did a few years back where we had a number of people filled with the Spirit. We're going to teach on it. We're going to preach on it. And we're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where people are going to be filled and refilled and fueled and refueled with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for that? Now, look with me in John 15. And notice with me in verse 7. John 15, verse 7. Here's some conditions here. And you'll notice that the word you is found several times in this verse. If you abide in me, in other words, if you dwell in me, if you live in vital union with me, in other words, you're not just going about life in your own will and your own strength, but you're committed to him, and my words abide where? Notice it doesn't say, and my words abide in the pastor, or my words abide in my wife, or my words abide in my best friend. No. He wants you to have his word in you so that you can connect with him when your best friend isn't around, when your pastor is in Hawaii. If you abide in me and my words, my words, not religion words, my words live in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto who? Unto you. So understand this, that it is not all up to God whether our prayers are answered. We have a vital role to play in answered prayer. Brother Hagin said this, find a scripture that covers your case. Find a scripture that covers your case. And then be specific when you pray. He said that he would have altar calls and people would come and they would tarry before the Lord. And 
And uh, he would ask them to come and, and, and ask the Lord for something that they needed in their lives. And people would come to the altar and, you know, he'd ask them, well, you know, what did you come for? And one person said, well, nothing in particular. And that's what Brother Hagin said. That's exactly what you get is nothing in particular. Now, I understand that there's a prayer of waiting on God. And there's a prayer of consecration and a prayer of dedication where we wait on the Lord and we intercede and we pray. But when it comes to answered prayer, a cha- uh, when, we, when it comes to needing a change, we must be specific and let our requests made, be made known unto God specifically. Amen. 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 You know, if I went to Lucky after church today with Brenda, and uh, we had this cart and it was empty, and we walked up and down the aisles for hours... And we just kind of looked around. Sooner or later, someone would ask us, can we help you? Is there something that you want? And if we said, well, well, nothing in particular, guess what? That's exactly what we'll get. It's absolutely nothing. And I think Christians have shortchanged themselves. Because my Bible says that God withholds no good thing for those that walk uprightly. My Bible says that we are not to be afraid, for it is our Father's... Oh, glory to God. It is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom of God. And so I don't think that we should get by on half rations when God said, I have a vast supply of plenty for you. I have a vast supply of goodness that I desire to pour out on you. You know what God's looking for today? He's looking for some believers. He's looking for some prayers. And he's looking for some receivers. You know, I was watching the Super Bowl last night from 2013. I wanted to watch those last few minutes and see how the Niners blew that game against the Ravens. And man, you know, it was like they were in that red zone and they just could not put the ball over the goal line to get that win. And what was happening? What was happening is Kaepernick could not find a receiver. And I don't want to look at our good, good father as Kaepernick. But our good, good father, he's looking for some receivers. He's looking for some believers. He's looking for some people that will find his word, believe his word, pray his word, receive his word, and get happy about it. So the more specific you are in prayer... Here's what, it, here's what happens. It keeps us from being vague. Lifeless. It keeps us from being weak. And keeps us away from mindless praying. You know, the major problem with prayer is most people don't do it. And the second problem with prayer is folks are just way too vague. Specificity. That's good. I've been awake since 4 a.m. Let me try that again. Specificity. It gives faith and prayer a target. Specific prayers bring specific answers. Say that with me. Specific prayers bring specific answers. So for every problem, there's a promise. And how does faith come, uh, class? How does faith come? Faith cometh by what? And by the Word of God. And so prayer runs on faith. Prayer runs on faith. 
Many prayers that people pray are not in line with the word of God. And that is why they're not getting their answers. And when they don't get their answers because they're praying amiss or praying out of line with the word of God, they say, well, it must not have been the will of God. No, you've got to know the will of God before you go into the arena of prayer so that you can pray specifically, pray accurately, and get the desired result. E.W. Kenyon says this. He said that prayer should be God looking down to earth and seeing a mirror reflecting his word back to him. Now, I took this quote out of Mark Brzee's book called Processing the Plan of God. And by the way, Mark Brzee is one of my mentors. He's a close friend, but he's one of my mentors in the area of prayer. In other words, I follow him closely as he follows Christ. Just like I, I follow Brother Hagen and Keith Moore. And so it is going to be a rich time. And there's going to be some teaching too. There's going to be in some, some instruction. And they're bringing out a real anointed musician to accommodate and help the presence of God. And so it's going to be awesome. But listen to this quote. Mark says this. If we take time to abide in him and get his word abiding in us, when we go to God in prayer, we will be like mirrors, reflecting his word back to him, and that's when we will get the desired results. How does this look? How does this look? How does this work? Okay, let's say, for example... um, I just got a report that uh, uh, I had pancreatitis. Pancreatitis is an inflammation in the pancreas, right? And so pancreatitis needs to be taken care of medically, et cetera, and so forth. So what I need to do then, of course, I'm one who uh, doesn't have any problem with going to a physician or going to a doctor, amen? But I don't look at that physician as my great physician. I have another physician, and he's greater than the natural physician. His name is Jehovah Rapha, and he is the Lord who heals me. And so I'm not going to put my trust in chariots and horses because I'm going to remember the name of the Lord my God, and I'm going to remember his word, and I'm going to get in his word. Because pancreatitis in the natural realm is a very serious situation. And so what I need to do then is I need to go to the word. And what we need to do is go to the word and find out scriptures that covers our case well i can think of one right away in in matthew 8 and verse 17 it says this that himself jesus christ took our infirmities and what did he do he bare our sicknesses now if he took my sicknesses that means he took my pancreatitis and so what he took pastor mark doesn't need to take And what he bore, you don't need to bear. Oh, hallelujah, that's freedom right there. But that's not the only scripture that covers our case in the area of divine healing. Another one is 1 Peter 2.24. And it says this, Who his own self, speaking of Jesus, bore our sin in his own body, that we having died to sin might live to righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. By his stripes you were what? Healed. 
Well, I like what Fred Price says. He said, well, if you were healed, you are healed. And if you are healed, you is healed. Amen. Amen. And then one more. Galatians 3.13. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law. Say it with me. Christ redeemed me from pancreatitis. Christ redeemed me from arthritis. Christ redeemed me from all sickness and disease. According to Deuteronomy 28, verse 61, all disease is a curse. Now lift up your hands, but praise God, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore I proclaim that I am free from pancreatitis. Body, I'm speaking to you. I'm calling you healed. I'm calling you whole. And I'm calling you well. And so here's what happens, guys. When we get this word living in us, then we begin to open our mouths. And in the privacy of our own home, our own automobile, or wherever we are, we can lift up our voice in faith based on what we have living on the inside of us. And here's what it looks like. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. I want to give you praise that Jesus took my infirmities. He bore my sickness. You said in your word, by his stripes I was healed. You said he redeemed me from the curse of the law. You said he bore my griefs, carried my sorrows. You said he sent his word and healed me and delivered me from my destruction. You said it, Lord. I believe it and I receive it. And I thank you for it now. Now tell me, is that difficult to do? No. You've got the ingredients of the abiding word. The ingredients of the spoken word and the ingredients of thanksgiving flowing together. And it works just beautifully. So find a scripture that covers your case. Become a scriptorian. Thoroughly look at the word of God. Amen. And an area that perhaps you're not so strong in. Or in an area, for example, finances or divine prosperity. In those areas, do double time. Shore up on the scriptures. Let these words of Christ dwell in you richly. Let these words of the Pauline epistles. Let these words of the gospel. Let these words of the letters to the church at Corinth and all those letters. Let them dwell in you richly. And let them cook a while. Amen? And declare it. And speak it and remind your good, good father what he said about you. That's not being arrogant. That's just being smart. Whoo, glory to God. Man, I'm telling you. Let's look at First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. How many of you got a few more minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Who give me 40, 45, 50, 50, 60? See, the beautiful thing about the dismissal of this service in about 15 or whatever minutes, the beautiful thing about it is, is you can step right out of here into a prayer meeting. You can just step right out of here. It's about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 15 steps to the right, and then 2 or 3 in, and then you go in there and sit down. 
and pray. Pray for a change. Hey, would you just please pray for a change? When we have meetings, would you just please come? For a change? I love you all. I love you all, but we're, we're serious here. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Somebody better hold my mule because I'm about to shout. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. These are really important scriptures. And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness that we have in Him. We are sure, we are sure, I am sure, that if I or you ask anything, make any request according to His will, mindful of this, that His word is His will. In agreement with His own plan, He listens and He hears us. We just did a series on hearing Him, but He also hears us when we talk the language in which He understands. Amen? The Word of God. Verse 15. And since we positively know that He listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted unto us as our present possessions the request made of Him. Amen. Your good, good Father's handing out grants. Just come according to His will. Just come according to His word. Amen. So we see from this scripture that confidence, assurance, and boldness comes from knowing His will. Now we are instructed very clearly in the book of James that when we make our requests be made known unto him, that we are to do so in faith. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Here's what wavering does. Wavering affects what we receive. Every prayer. Say it with me. Every prayer that I pray must be prayed in faith. Now here's another statement that was worth you combing your hair and brushing your teeth. And coming to church, prayer without a promise has no foundation. Promise without a prayer has no purpose. It'll not come to pass. I'm going to say it again. Prayer without a promise has no foundation. Flip it over. Prayer with a promise is a solid foundation. Promises without a prayer have no purpose. But promises with a faith-filled prayer has plenty of purpose. So my exhortation to you this morning is know the promises, receive the promises, and pray the promises. And then every prayer that we pray should end with this glorious statement This is a declaration of faith, whether you realize it or not. Amen. Amen. Let the church say, 
We've agreed in prayer. We believe we receive. Let everyone say. Amen. 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 Let the church say. Amen. What does amen mean? That's right. So be it. Let it be this way. It is and it shall be. I believe God heard me. You see, faith says amen, and faith also says thank you. You want to increase your capacity to receive from him? Be thankful. Be thankful. Look at Mark 11, verse 24. Mark 11, verse 24. He said this. Let's read it together. Therefore... I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This basically tells us the time to believe you receive is at the moment that you pray. Amen? In other words, you go to God and you say, Lord, your word says this. I'm praying about this. I'm asking you for this. And I believe that I take it. I believe that I receive it now. And I give you praise for it. And the Bible says you shall have them. Don't get upset about the part you shall have them. That may be a future time, but according to the realm of the Spirit and in faith, it's yours. You have it now. Dad Hagen said this, faith always ends with the glad confession. It's mine. It's mine. I have it now. Glory to God. And so here's the takeaway, church. The church, including all of us, needs to stop being spectators and commentators and be a player and a prayer. William Temple said this, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I do not, they don't. (laughs) Prayer changes things. It changes your life. It can change your marriage, your family, your business, your dreams. And as the senior pastor of this church, as under shepherds, Brenda and I, we exhort you. You are not just supposed to watch and just take it in. He wants you to be a player, not a bad kind of player. (laughs) And he wants you to be a prayer. Prayer affects your homes. It affects your dreams. It affects your hopes. It affects your families. It affects your needs. Here's the takeaway. We've got a city to impact. We've got a region to reach. We've got a world to touch. For Jesus Christ. And you know what, folks? It takes the wind of God. It takes the touch of God. It takes prayer. It takes us moving together with the Spirit of God and the Spirit of prayer. Next week I'm going to give you five S's for prayer. Maybe you can pray about it and tell me what they are next Sunday morning. But let me ask you this. Did you get anything out of this today? Let's all stand to our feet if you would, please.